Welcome to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. It's Mother's Day and we have a special story and a message called Honoring the Call. Join us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10-17. through 17. At Vail Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. Good to see you this morning. Happy Mother's Day. So we're, uh, we're going to do something just a little bit different, too. We're going to keep doing different things. Um, I think it's really important today to do um, something in particular. So you've met um, Kevin and Chelsea, and this is Brandon and Elizabeth. Um, Kevin's obviously our worship pastor, and Elizabeth is our um, children's director. And um, actually, Brandon is a deacon and our treasurer. Financial secretary. Brandon is our um, treasurer. I wasn't even going to say that, but now everybody can call you the financial secretary if they want. And I feel like my mom was a financial secretary in our church. Um, yes. Um, so uh, listen, we, we want to feature a story that I think is unique to uh, you guys. Here's what we want to do. Uh, we just want to kind of tell a story because... What is unique to you and to actually our, our staff at Vail Christian Church, and, and I think our church, is that um, uh, a lot of you foster children, and this is kind of a big deal to us uh, on our staff. So uh, a large part of our team fosters children, and I, I, I will say that, that there are a lot of children represented on our staff, like 30 children represented uh, with just our staff. And so uh, we have so many kids that we did our own Kids Night Out event just for our staff um, a Friday night where uh, Brooke and Bentley and took responsibility for their small group and a few other people to watch our kids feed them pizza and watch movies, right? While we went out to dinner and that was really sweet um, from 6 to 10 o'clock. You guys were free. And I love that about our staff. We have lots of kids on our staff. I think it's beautiful. But something's unique uh, has, has happened over this last year, and we want to talk to you about it a little bit because I think you should know, and I think it can be very encouraging to you. In particular, though, where we want to start, uh, we'll just start with you, Kevin. Why don't you tell us a little bit about fostering and its purpose? Why foster kids and what's it all about and what's it, what's it for? Yeah, you bet. Um, for my wife and I, the, it started about... Well, it started before we got married, actually. We had talked about, uh, you know, both her especially wanting to adopt kids someday and do that. But it's after we got married, um, God really worked on us and, and kind of led us in that direction. And we feel like it, you know, adoption specifically for us uh, was really God's own heart. You know, God has adopted us into his family. And so we felt like we had the capacity. And it's not easy, but we had the capacity. We both don't carry a bunch of baggage into our lives. Um, and so we thought, man, we want to really pay it forward and, and bring somebody else into our home that we can love and care for and call our own and uh, paint for them that picture of what Christ does for us by adopting a, us into his family. Yeah. So um, when you first uh, started dating or seeing each other, did you really know anything about fostering kids or adopting people? Um, I didn't. So no. on our very first date, my wife and I, we were I went to coffee. It was like there for like four hours, you know, having a really good discussion. Four-hour coffee is good. Four-hour coffee, good. yeah. I'm sure um, it was about the coffee. I just, as long as I could keep her there, you know. Um, 
But we talked about family and stuff. We're both very intentional. We knew, you know, we weren't going to date somebody if, if just to have fun. It was like, okay, what do you, what, let's get serious. What are you doing with your life? What do you want to do? My wife had said that she wanted to have a lot of kids and wanted to adopt. Now, as an 18-year-old guy, I'm like, whatever. There's a lot of other things that got to happen before that, so I'm cool with it. Uh, but uh, God really planted those seeds in, in her heart, I think, early on, and then uh, worked on me through that process to get me caught up to where she was at. Yeah. I think it's funny she asked you about it as an 18-year-old, and you're like, yeah, totally. I'm, yeah, I'll be right there. It's good. So I mean, like, I keep all my clothes in the trunk of my car, but yeah. <laughs> that's so great. And that's the way it is for a lot of us. So, so obviously, um, that, I don't know if that was a tactic or not, but it was a really awesome uh, beginning for you guys. What about, uh, Brandon, you and Elizabeth, how did you guys get into this? What, how did it start for you? Well, um, for us, I think um, when God put foster care in our hearts, we were in a season where we had some really close friends here at the church who were going through foster to adopt. And just walking through that with them, um, I just kind of looked at it and was like, this is an emotional roller coaster. Why would somebody want to do this? Um, And then one day I was reading, um, my, my grandma's brother had passed away. And I was reading his obituary, and it had talked about how he and his wife had fostered, um, like, 100 kids um, during the span of their life. And uh, the Lord really opened my heart up to just the idea of foster care being a way to be Jesus to not just kids but to their parents as well. Because the parents are in these situations just as much as the kids are. Hmm. So being very mature, I decided to secretly pray about it and uh, not tell Brandon and um, just in case, it, you know, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't in tune with the Lord or something. Um, so you had your own tactic as well. It sounds like you and Chelsea. <laughs> yes. um, so after a few weeks, Brandon came to me and just said, hey, you know, I've been, I've been praying about foster care. And I said, oh, oh, you have. Okay. Um, so That's amazing we, <laughs> how the Lord finds things out. He does. So we decided that, okay, well, we'll start taking steps forward. And I just kept praying, you know, well, Lord, if you decide to close this door, it will be okay. And it has been eight years <laughs> since that has happened. Yeah. How cool is that, though, the way the Lord works? Even if you don't know what you're doing, he can uh, really grab a hold of you and change your life in the midst of all kinds of things. Uh, but I think the point is, is you're, uh, you know, even as funny as it kind of sounds, I mean, we're, you, you're being obedient and listening to the Lord. You know that, um, you know that you need to listen to him, and he does lead us uh, towards things. I think this is an amazing thing um, that is happening right now. You know, I was just talking to ABCS out in the courtyard. They set up a table, and um, uh, the person that's representing uh, out there said there are 13,500 children in the foster care system in Arizona, but there's not enough people in Pima County, so they have to send them to other counties, drive a long ways in order to get uh, kids into some kind of care. So um, what I love about you guys and our entire staff is that you guys are extraordinary, extraordinarily normal. Yeah, you're people that, you know, you've got to cook dinner every night. You got car problems just like anybody else that you have to fix. You do loads of laundry, right? Um, you, you, you bust your can at work and have had to deal with all kinds of things. I mean, you have family stuff just like anybody else. You guys are 
extraordinarily normal. I really, really love that. It's not that you're not special, and I think you're very talented people on our staff, but sometimes I think people look at the foster system and adopting like you've got to be super special and have these unbelievable gifts in order to do that. What would you say about that, Elizabeth? You know, like who should do this kind of thing? Yeah, we all have the same amount. We all have 24 hours in a day. Um, We all have stuff going on, like you said, Ben. Um, But I think everyone also has a way to make room in their life so that they have that margin. Um, Kevin gave a really great message not too long ago um, and just sharing statistics about how so many people have, you know, extra rooms in their houses that are just for guest room or whatnot. Um, We've been so blessed, I think, as a nation, and especially here at Vail Christian Church, um, everyone has some sort of capacity to make room to welcome these kids in and then to also minister to their parents as well. Yeah. Chelsea, there's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of hurt and struggle and difficulty, but you have a unique way, I think, of describing um, why foster, why adopt, and its purpose. Why don't you just tell us about that really quick? I guess what it all comes down to, because we all have a million reasons why not to. We all have so much going on, so many things. But what, just a little sidebar, what I love about Elizabeth and Brandon's story is they saw a command in the Bible, and instead of saying, it's a red light, I need to pray for God to open the door, they saw it as a green light, and they were just praying that if this is not the right thing, please close that door, Uh which is just a perspective shift that is so unique and so valuable. And looking at those commands in the Bible that way, it really comes down to what our yeses and our noes mean. And our no in this situation would be far more detrimental and impactful and hard for the kids than our yes for us will ever be. Yeah. There's a lot of children that did not choose to be in this scenario. 13,500 kids, none of them are going, hey, I want to be in the system. I want to be, uh, I want to be in the custody of the state, Right. Kids are not running around saying that. That's not it. And lots of times parents are not going, yeah, come get them, you know, take them away. Uh, The state uh, has to intervene a lot of times. And so there's problems with all of this. That's true. I can't think of anything that is more like Jesus than taking some responsibility and making some sacrifices sacrifices and saying yes to uh, children that are in this kind of scenario. My goodness, both couples, you guys have done quite a bit of this over the years, over the last number of years, and uh, something kind of unique uh, began to happen regarding adoption and some things. So I, I want to point out, like with my daughter and her husband, they, uh, they struggled a long time to, uh, uh, and, and actually thought maybe they might not ever have, be able to have biological children. But they, they, they wanted to foster children because they knew that they could be parental. They knew that they could be mom and dad to kids that really needed that. And so they started fostering children, not so much to fill the void in their life, but because they were trying to be obedient because they care about, um, they care about people and they knew they had the capacity 
you know, to love on uh, kids. I, I don't think adoption is the, the goal necessarily all the time, right? Uh, reunification is actually the purpose of fostering more than adoption. We just know that how many kids, you know, what are the percentages, Brandon, that, you know, um, kids get reunified versus severed from their Oh, uh, I, their parents. Yeah, yeah. so um, I don't know the exact percentage, but it's it's up there. It's like at least ninety percent don't get reunified. Um, it's it's very rare that they, with their biological parents. Yeah, um, right. it's very rare that they get to go back to their biological parents. Sometimes they, sometimes other family, um, right. they can they 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 can be taken. Other family can take responsibility and things like that. But the hope is that is for re, reunification and to remain with family is, is is the goal but lots of kids you know the the rights get severed and nobody steps up and is able or wants to um which then provides the opportunity for adoption so tell us about that journey then uh kevin a little bit how this is, how this started with you guys with adopting uh sure we're, we're talking about initially right yeah okay yeah, so just yeah initially because <laughs> um, we have three of our kids are adopted and, and they're adopted out of the foster care system and so our um two of them are sibling set that we adopted while we were in california in 2015 sure 2015 i think it is when it was ago. finalized yeah you know they came and lived with us before that um but we adopted them as a sibling set and um we kind of went through that whole process and saw what it was like and you know, it's not an easy process, but it's a very rewarding process. And as my wife said, you know, um, saying no to them is much more detrimental than what it's going to cost you. I always think about that when when it gets hard is, um, you know, for what I'm giving up is nothing compared to what they're gaining by me doing that. You know what I mean? Wow, it's just yeah. nothing. Um, it's very little. But it's been a journey. It's been a process. I'm not perfect. That's one of the things I don't have an extra measure of patience. People tend to think that, and they, they'll say things like, I could never do that. I just can't. And I'm like, oh, boy, I don't have the patience. Trust me. I've made plenty of mistakes or, or whatever the thing is. I'm just like you. It's still a process. I'm learning and growing uh, through that. So I think that is what adoption oh, is. That's why I like to describe you guys as extraordinarily normal. I mean, you're, you're, you're just like anybody. You've just said yes um, to people that really need you to say I yes. I do have a lot of extra money. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. As does all of Vail Christian Church staff is rich. Um, so uh, I get that. Um, that's really good. Um, Brendan, once you start the journey, tell us about... Uh, I, more than two years ago, uh, this little girl, Allie, came into your life. Tell us about how that started and all that. Yeah, so uh, Allie came into our home Yeah, just uh, a little over, well, actually, it's three years ago, yeah, that, um, that she came to, to live with us. And um, we got into to foster care uh, with the intent of not only loving on the child, but as Elizabeth said, um, an opportunity to, to try and, like, come behind the parents. Because there's such a small percentage of kids that get reunified, we're like, okay, maybe... Maybe we can kind of pour into parents as well and, and, and uh, rehabilitate them and get them to, that, get them to a place where they, um, they can receive their child back. And we were fortunate enough that our first, the first kid we had taken in eight years ago, that happened. And we're like, oh, see, it's working. And then since then, we haven't had any that have gone back to their, uh, back to their biological it's parents. Um, so it's real, it's real tough system, yeah. So when Allie came in, we, we took off on that journey the same way. We're communicating with mom, and, and we 
um, we were really hopeful. It was uh, it seemed somewhat promising at the at the very beginning that that mom was going to be on the right track. Uh, communication was good, and and things seemed like it was uh, they it just seemed like it was going well. But you fast forward, we get to a year mark, and there's very little progress in in the case plan, and that's when we start realizing like, oh my goodness. This is not going towards reunification. And uh, Allie was also the first child we had that didn't have any um, immediately identified family members that would be potential placements for her or forever homes. And so we started just trying to work through that, talk through it, and, and pray on it to figure out what's the next steps. What are the what, what are, what's going to happen with uh, right. with Allie? I love how you're describing that and how you're you you get this child in your your life and you get to love on them. And so. If you've um, been in Sunday school, then you've met Allie, and she's been there every week with you because you guys live at the church, right? And so she's in Sunday school, uh, lots of teachers, lots of care. And you guys as a family, um, uh, because of our staff, I mean, your, your, your family interacts um, all the time uh, together. So this is a child that you both um, know really well, right? And you have since you've been here. So then... Um, uh, obviously, uh, it, it didn't work out for you guys to be her forever home. You can't adopt every child, and that's not the goal of a fostering. It's, it's certainly an opportunity and things like that. If you've uh, uh, adopted already um, another child, um, Liam, and um, that's pretty uh, extraordinary in that whole journey. But uh, how did then Allie become Abby in your guys's life. Um, so we got a call a year ago, July. Okay, two years ago. Sorry. <laughs> Just wait till third service. I've been up here too much. All right. So we we got a call that um, you know that that they were looking through that. We have the same uh, caseworker too at the agency, so he knows both of us really well. We had you know one of the cool things is my wife and I after we adopted our first two kids in California, we really felt like God was calling us to adopt one more. And we really felt like he was calling us to adopt a little girl. And so we started the process there and nothing worked out, you know, which just dead ends. And then we came here and we thought we're going we're gonna to keep doing this. But uh, kind of a similar story. And we, we decided we're just going to do foster care. We're going to do that side of things. And so we had a couple foster kiddos and, and that thing was kind of there. Like, I don't know why God told us that if it's, but whatever, we're open to anything. And then we got that call that um, Allie was um, going to be, looking for a forever home. And I thought, man, that is exactly what we're looking for. Um, obviously we knew the Saxes, And so it was kind of like, this is an interesting situation because you're not getting a kid that's just coming from somebody else and new introducing to everybody for the first time. Everybody already knows her, but it was also a really neat thing because um, we felt like God had laid it on our hearts to do that. And this was that opportunity. Um, and it was cool for her because she doesn't have to change everything you know, like, as, as odd as it may right? seem, you know, it, her story is her story, but she gets to stay with the same people that she knows and loves, and she gets to have the same friends. Um, and I'll just talk about the name, too. We had decided that, uh, you know, we, we adopted our other two kids. We talked to a lot of people, and we gave them uh, new names because when you adopt a child, you know, it's, you're giving them a new start. And so we wanted to show them this is permanent. You're part of our family. You're going to get a new birth certificate with our last name on it and with the names that your parents are going to give you. And it's a picture of what Christ does for us. Uh, when we follow him and accept him, we get that new name in Christ. That's a very biblical concept. 
uh, because the old is gone, the new has come. And so for us, we felt like we talked to her about it, and she liked that idea. And so we want to give you, we want to give you a name as your as your parents, uh, and bring you into our family. And you're you're getting a new start and a new family through this process. I I, I think it's just um, that's just really exciting. I think it's fun, and it's so sounds like what the Lord does, right? I grew up in a church, then we used to sing this hymn all the time called A New Name Written Down in Glory. And when you give your life to Christ, your life is transformed and changed, and you have a new identity installed in you. And so actually baptism, you you know, in, in a, a million years ago, right, in the church when you were baptized, you were given your Christian name, right? And um, I just think it's uh, pretty sweet. And I'm sure you asked her, what did she say when you said, hey, how do you feel about a new name? Yeah, we gave her the choice. We didn't force it on her. And she was like, yeah, you know, she liked that idea. We, our two other kids got new names. And so, yeah. uh, again, you know, she's a, a, a little girl. It's hard to know how much she sees. But uh, she was very receptive of it. And I think felt like it was a gift. Like, oh, I'm going to be, yeah, I felt connected to the family through what we did. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty extraordinary. I, I'm certain it's not been easy. It's been, it can be awkward a little bit, right? I feel awkward actually uh, sometimes, right? She answers to both names, but we know what the the the, the difference is. So um, Elizabeth, you, you have a daughter really close. Uh, tell us about this and this relationship just a little bit. You have a, a daughter close to age as Abby. Yeah, so Kaylin and Abby are about a year apart. Um, they're super close. Um, so it was hard when she left. Yeah, um, I'm sure it was. But, but uh, is she in your home at all now? Yeah, she. we still spend time with her. She comes over. We do sleepovers. Um, it's pretty cool because she'll come over and, like, you know, the neighbor kids pop their head over the wall like, hey, what's going on? We're like, come <laughs> on over. Come and play. Abby's here. Um, and then even, you know, she'll come over sometimes and we'll go to a barbecue at my dad's house or something. And it's just like, oh, hey, how's it going? And, yeah. you know, no awkwardness, still an extended yeah. part of our family. I think it's pretty extraordinary that she has in uh, the, the most influential time in her life. She has uh, people like you, godly men and women, parents, um, moms that love on her and have introduced her to um, God's greatest plans and love and care, introduced her to Jesus. Um, I guarantee you she can talk to you about all of that. Um, I've talked to her a lot. She's um, an uh, unbelievable uh, child, and you guys are really... um, extraordinary people, but in such a normal way. I think that there are so many out there of you guys who um, you think that these people right here have some sort of extra measure of whatever. I think that what you are hearing is um, people who are listening to the Lord and just doing what God wants you to do. And I, I can't think of anything that honors God's heart more than adoption and fostering children. Um, I really appreciate you guys telling us this story, and um, it's it's my hope that, um, you know, lots of you have spare rooms in your house. You have more than one room. You have plenty of margin in your life. I, I think that 13,500 children across the state of Arizona, a lot of which are in Pima County, I think they should be uh, brought into 
Christ followers' homes and cared for. And uh, there's a lot of ways to do that. And you can talk to um, ABCS out here in the courtyard. You can talk to the Canterbury's or the Saxes about their story. And uh, I'm, I know that they would love uh, to answer your questions and give you some insight. And they certainly don't know everything. But, um, wow, you guys have unbelievable uh, kids and marriages. And I think you're modeling all the right things for Vail Christian Church. So thank you so much for just taking a few minutes and uh, sharing with us your story. Really appreciate it. So um, I want to talk to you about uh, something just unique, just for a couple of minutes. Um, in Second Timothy chapter 3, you want to pull your Bible out. I promise you um, I'll get right to it. Um, but today is uh, a day when we honor moms. And I want to say that carefully as well, because I know, I think because of my own daughter, um, I'm, I'm way more sensitive to um, the fact that it, a, a lot of times it is a struggle um, to have biological children. A lot of times um, uh, we wrestle with that and, and the Lord um, has his um, plan and his best plan, but it doesn't mean it's easy to shoulder um, when you're um, maybe physically just unable to have children. But they, I, I'm reminded even by my own daughter that there are thousands of children that really need to be mommed by people who don't have their own biological children that need to be cared for and, um, and that are just waiting for you to say yes. And so I want to point out something uh, I think pretty cool here in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now, before you read it, I'm going to read one phrase out of verse 1 of chapter 3, and it'll make the other verses that we're going to start at, verse 10, make sense. Paul is writing uh, this, and the Apostle Paul, and he says, But understand this, that in the last days, difficult times will come, and then he'll start talking about why difficult times will come and what that's all about. Now, I just want you to go down to verse 10, and we'll get the gist of what he is saying um, to Timothy, who's his protege, who he's mentoring and grooming to take his place um, and to replace himself, really, right? So in verse 10, it says, You, however, have followed my teaching and my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance, as well as the persecutions and sufferings that have happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. I endured these persecutions, and the Lord delivered me from them all. Now, in fact, all who uh, want to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's kind of shocking, right? Verse 13, but evil people and charlatans will go from bad to worse, deceiving others and being deceived themselves. You, however, you could say Timothy, must continue in the things you have learned and are confident about. You know who taught you. And how from infancy you have known the holy writings or the scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Every scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the person dedicated to God may be capable and equipped for every good work. 
I think that's our goal of parenting, um, to equip people, to equip our children in particular for every good work, to equip them, to train them. I want you to see um, just two things, um, what's going on here. I want you to recognize who taught who in this um, scenario that Paul is describing for Timothy. Who taught you? First, who is Paul talking about in verse 14 when he says, you know who taught you? He's talking about somebody named Eunice and Lois, Timothy's mother and grandmother. That's who he's talking about. And there are three things that lead us to know these things. First, Paul says in verse 15, this teaching was happening from infancy, from infancy. I mean, it's pretty amazing even as an infant how, um, how smart they are and how they can respond to everything that we're doing, um, no doubt. Second, you see in 2 Timothy 1.5, so you just go back to first, uh, the first chapter of 2 Timothy, these words. In verse 5, uh, Paul says, I recall your sincere faith that was alive first in your grandmother. I recognize it in her, Lois. And in your mother, Eunice, and I'm sure it's in you because I know your family and I know them. I know it's in you and I know the way it works with moms and grandmas, right? So Paul's already connected Timothy's faith with what he got from his mother and his grandmother. And I think that's a lesson right there. I think that's huge. I think that's enormous. That's what we need as mothers and grandmothers. Teaching children God's word. That's what we need. I don't think you're ever too young, you're ever too old. And I don't think they gotta be your biological children in any way. But I think it's pretty important here, right? And so the third thing uh, that's going on here is the answer to the question, why did Paul not refer to Timothy's father? It's kind of a bummer. He doesn't say, hey, you learned all this stuff from your father. Dads, I think you should. I think that um, your children should learn the scriptures from you. I think they should be taught by you. I don't think it's just a mom or a grandmother's role. I think it's fathers and grandfathers' roles to teach the scriptures as well. But here's what's happening right here. In Acts chapter 16, verse 1, where Luke tells us about how Paul chose Timothy in the first place as a missionary partner, as somebody to train and equip, to kind of take his place, to mentor in Acts 16, 1, he says, he also came to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple named Timothy was there, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but whose father, that word but is really key, but whose father was a Greek. So Timothy is a product of a home with a believing mother and an unbelieving father. And that's why Paul didn't say that Timothy learned the scriptures from his father. He should have been able to say that, but he didn't. His father didn't believe them. His mother and his grandmother did. That's who Paul's referring to in 2 Timothy 3.14. So here's really my second point, my final point and challenge today. Your godly mother can be an extraordinary incentive to valuing the scriptures and should be. Should be. Look at it again, verse 14, and so that you can see this. Paul says, you, however, remember the world's going to just end up being wow. And you can see a little bit of that going on today. You, however, must continue in the things you've learned and are confident about. You know who taught you. I want you to stick to that and remember. You know the scriptures. You know who taught you. And you know what's a big deal and what's important. And I expect you to be different because you had these people in your life who taught you the right things. 
That is, don't give up on your faith, Timothy. Don't give up on the scriptures. Don't give up on your salvation. Then comes these crucial words referring back to Eunice and Lois. You know who taught you. You got a perfect model right here. You got a perfect model right here. In other words, Timothy, one of the ways, not the only way, of course, but one of the ways to strengthen your faith and to survive difficulty and hard times and not give up on the scriptures is to remember who introduced you to the word of God and the way of salvation. You know, that's what you're saying when you say yes to fostering or adoption. You're saying, yes, I will introduce people to the way of salvation and to the scriptures, I think. What an opportunity. Remember your mother and your grandmother. So just let me be clear as I just kind of draw this to a quick conclusion right here. Paul, the Apostle Paul, this is the guy that writes 60% of the New Testament. This is a guy who loves Jesus in this text. He loves Jesus with all his heart, mind, and soul. He's given everything to present the gospel and to Jesus. He honors motherhood and grandmotherhood with this great tribute. You have a calling that can become the long-remembered foundation of faith, mom. You have a calling. And they don't have to be your biological children. Not just for your children, you have a calling. But for the untold numbers of people who will be affected by your children and by the young people in your life. And that's in addition to all the other thousands of rippling effects of faith in your life. Oh, it's just a couple of things mentioned about Eunice and Lois, just like almost footnotes in the life of Timothy. Timothy was a godly man because his mother and his grandmother introduced him to Jesus and the scriptures. I think that's pretty amazing, and I think everyone in the room has the opportunity to be these things and to do these things, male and female today, moms and dads, grandmothers and grandfathers. I think we all have these kinds of opportunities in front of us, and I think that reflects God's heart in a way that honors him, um, actually, because as much as we want this day to be about moms, it's still actually 100% about the Lord. It's about Jesus. Father, thank you for the people in our lives. In particular today, we want to give thanks for our moms and um, all the stuff that they do and that they put up with and how they serve us and sacrifice for us. They're extraordinary people that we want to make sure that we let you know, Lord, you're brilliant in the way you've designed things. Thank you, God, for giving us moms. There's lots of people in our world, even in our church, that would like to be a mom. And they're struggling physically for some reason. I'm praying, God, that you would show them and bring them peace and satisfaction and joy that there, there are so many children out there that could be cared for in an extraordinary way. So I'm praying, God, that you might lift them up and shore them up today because we know that that is your best plan as well.
So um, look forward to uh, the rest of the day. And uh, we give you thanks for all these good things in our lives, in particular for moms. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. If you have any questions, would like to know more information about our church, or would like to see the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.vailchristian.com.